Hope you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, or I'm sure you can track one down on your phone. Um, but we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to be reading from verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless the reading of His Word. Now some of you may have heard the name Jack Phillips on the news uh, over the past few years. He's the owner of the, uh, the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, located outside of Denver, Colorado. You know, in 2012, he refused to bake a wedding cake for a same-sex couple from Denver on the basis of his religious beliefs. Uh, Jack's a Christian, and he believes that marriage is between one man and one woman. And so the case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the court ruled in a 7-2 decision in favor of the cake shop. But since the ruling, Mr. Phillips has had two additional lawsuits filed against him in his bake shop for not creating a cake for a, a gender transition celebration. And so I share that just to say, you know, I would say, and maybe you'd agree that this, this man, uh, Jack Phillips, uh, is facing some opposition simply because he's a Christian. Have you heard the name Lawan Andemi? I'm not 100% sure I'm saying that right, but um, on January the 3rd, uh, just this past month, uh, 2020, uh, Reverend Lawan, who was a Nigerian church leader and father of nine children, uh, was abduct- abducted by Boko Haram in an attack on the major town of Mashika near the Cameroon border. And days after his kidnapper or kidnapping, his kidnappers uh, released a six-minute uh, proof video of his life in which the pastor called on church authorities to secure his release. And he also praised God, telling his family and colleagues, this is what he said, Don't cry, don't worry, but thank God for everything. I have never been discouraged because everything is in the hands of God, he said in the video. By the grace of God, I will be together with my wife, children, and colleagues. And if the opportunity has not been granted, then maybe it is the will of God. Eighteen days after he was kidnapped, uh, Reverend Lawin was violently executed. Listen to this quote from a recent pastor in China. He says, The situation is tense, but we know God is on the move in spite of the restrictions by the Chinese government. We held a regional leaders meeting and agreed that when one of us is arrested, 
another will pick up the work. We also decided to respond to the police respectfully and in love, even if they yell at us or use physical force in attempts to make us surrender the names of other believers. I mean, these are stories from the church today, not the early church. These are stories from the church today. And I share these stories just to set up the question that Paul asks in verse 31. He asks the question, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, who can be against us? Well, (laughs) there are many people against us or against those who follow Jesus. Uh, Boko Haram is against us. Uh, There's people in our own country against us. The Chinese government is against us. Uh, There may be people in your own family against you just because you're following Jesus and against what you do and how you live and what you believe. There may be people against you in your workplace or in your school just because you're following Jesus, just because you believe in Christ and want to live your life for Him. Um, You know, is Paul saying that because God is for us, no one will be against us? I don't think so. If you know Paul, you know he's not saying that. I mean, if you know Paul, you know many people and many governing authorities uh, were against him as he sought to carry out the work God had given him to do. Listen to what he writes in 2 Corinthians 11, just about his own life, verses 24 through 27. Paul says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure." So were people and circumstances against Paul in taking the gospel to people? Of course they were. And people and circumstances will rise up against those of you who seek to follow Jesus. So Paul isn't saying that we will not face opposition and difficulty. But what he does say is that if God is for us, how can anything or anyone possibly stand against what God wants to do in us? And the answer to that rhetorical question is no one, right? <laughs> no one can stand or prohibit you know, God's purposes and what He wants to do in the life of His people. No one can stand against God. And so now, now, before he asked that rhetorical question, he asked this question. He says, what then shall we say to these things? And so you should be thinking, well, what things? Uh, And those things that have come before. So these things being that we were dead in our sin and God has made us alive in Christ. These things being that we were enemies of God, but God through Jesus Christ has made us part of His family, adopted us into His family. These things being that God has given us His Holy Spirit. These things that God is working all things for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. These things meaning... Uh, the fact that God is, has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. These things being that He has predestined us to be called to Himself, justified and glorified. 
So what should we say to these things? Well, this is what we say. We say with Paul, well, if that's true, then if God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, if this is what God is going to do, who's going to stop it? No one. God is the one who chose us. God is the one who justifies us. God is the one who glorifies us and will glorify us. He's the one who works all things for the good of those who love Him, who are in Christ. And so the question is, who can stop God? Well, the obvious answer is no one. No one can stop God from accomplishing His purpose. And that is His purpose. To call, to justify, to glorify His people. And that will happen. And so can people stand against you? Yeah. Can people hurt you? Absolutely. Can people make your business lose profits? Yes. Can people make your life difficult? Yes. Can people stop God from working in your life? No. And so listen to me. You know, no matter who opposes you or stands against you, no one can stop what God wants to do in your life. No one. He will complete His work in you. And Paul goes on to say that, And it was God who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? You know, who would give their daughter brand new shoes without the shoelaces? Or who would give their son a brand new car with an empty tank of gas or dead batteries? I mean, that would just be silly. Why would you do it? You would, of course you wouldn't do that. Because if you could buy a brand new car or brand new shoes for your child, you would obviously include the little things. And so Paul is saying, if God has given his son for you, then you can be assured that he will give you everything else you need to be conformed to the image of Christ. That will happen. That will happen. And no one can stop it from happening. So I wonder, if there's any, is there any opposition in your life right now? Think about it. Is there any opposition in your life right now that makes you think that God is not for you? If so, all you need to do is look to the cross and be reminded that God loves you so much that He gave His Son for you. And that will never change. That is true. So as Christians, we will experience opposition. But... We must remember that God is for us, always and forever. Another experience that you may have in the Christian life is one of condemnation. You know, we're, we're Christians because we know we're not perfect. At least that's why I'm a Christian. <laughs> I know I have a sin problem and I need God's help. And, and if you're a Christian, you know that too. Uh, you know we're, we're inconsistent at times. We need Jesus. We need God's help. Uh, we know we need Him. Uh, but at the same time, we can fall prey to accusations that make us feel condemned. Accusations or charges like this. You know, if you're really a Christian, you wouldn't do things like that. Or, God can't love someone like you. Or, you must not love God to think things like that. So these charges well up, sometimes even within our own minds, our own consciences. You know, they well up against us, charges that cause us to think that God could never accept someone like me. And there are some truths in those charges, right? Because we are inconsistent. Uh, we do uh, sin. We do think impure thoughts. We have inconsistencies in our lives. But hear what Paul says 
in verses 33 and 34. He says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. So listen to this. If you are in Christ, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then you are God's elect. You are God's elect. This means that God has chosen you. And He has justified you. And to be justified means that you are guiltless. You are innocent in His Son. And the way that is possible is because Jesus is the one who has died for our sins and has been raised to new life. So we're made right by God, not because of what we have done or what we will do, but because of what Christ has done for us. That's what Paul's saying. You are justified because of what Christ has done for you. And then Paul can say, because of that truth, Paul can say rhetorically, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? I mean, what charge can you bring up that Christ has not dealt with? Their answer is, no one can bring a charge against those in Christ because we are innocent in Christ. Jesus has taken all the charges against us on the cross and He is now at the right hand of God interceding for us. So, you know, as these things well up in your mind, these, these falsehoods, these, these ideas that you can't be accepted by God because you're not good enough, when these things creep into your mind... I want you to imagine Jesus hearing these charges and then looking at the Father and saying, these charges have been taken care of and this one is innocent. Jesus is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. So, as followers of Jesus, we may face opposition, but God is for us. And we may face condemnation, either, either from others or even from our own minds, But we must remember that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. No one can bring a charge against God's elect. But there's one more experience that Paul talks about here that we may face. And it's the the fear of separation. Now what would be worse? Uh, Losing your job. Or being permanently separated from your family. I mean, I, I was thinking about this, and I think, uh, you know, I was, can, you, can you think of anything worse than being permanently separated from those closest to you? You know, probably not. Probably not. Uh, but at the same time, it is possible to experience certain degrees of separation. You know, parents abandon their children, uh, married couples get divorced, friends move away. And those we love die. And we all know that pain of separation. And I think because we experience separation in our relationships with one another, we can fall prey to thinking that we can experience separation from the love of God. That somehow, some way, there's things that I can do or things that can happen to me that actually separate me from God's love. Make God love me less. And this leads Paul to ask this question in verse 35. He says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? 
And then he lists 17 things that you or others like you may think could separate you from the love of Christ. Listen to his list again. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, John Chrysostom was the Archbishop of Constantinople in the 5th century. And when Chrysostom was brought before the Roman Emperor, uh, the Emperor threatened, threatened him with, with banishment uh, if he remained a Christian. And Chrysostom replied, You cannot banish me, for this world is my Father's house. But I will kill you, said the Emperor. No, you cannot, said the noble champion of the faith, for my life is hid with Christ in God. I will take away your treasures. No, but you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. But I will drive you away from man and you shall have no friend left. No, you cannot, for I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you, for there is nothing that you can do to hurt me. And what, a, what a great response. What a classic response. Because there is nothing that anyone can do. No one can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not time, not space, no supernatural or natural powers, no circumstance, no lawsuit, no terrorist group. No governmental pressure and not even death itself can separate you from God's love. And so if you have faith in Christ, then God is for you. He is for you. He has justified you and he has set his love on you and nothing can change that. Just think about that. If you believe that. And what difference would that make as you go about your life this week? Knowing that God is for you. That He has justified you. Made you fully acceptable in His sight through Christ. And that He loves you no matter what. His love has been set upon you. I mean, how would that impact your life this week? How would that impact how you approach circumstances and decisions and people? You know, if you are in Christ, these truths apply to you. They are yours. And I encourage you to dwell on these truths this week. But if you're not a Christian, uh, then I have another, another challenge for you. The good news is, uh, these truths can be yours as well. Uh, but it does require a decision. You know, God has done everything necessary for you to be forgiven of your sin and be given new life with Him forever. Forgiveness and new life come through giving your life to Christ. And so if you're sitting there and wondering, 
how you can be made right with God, then I want you to grab one of these little cards uh, in the pew in front of you uh, before you leave today. And there's a prayer on this card that will help you just express to God that you want to enter into a relationship with Him through Christ. You know, the prayer says this. It says, Lord Jesus, I admit that I've been living my life apart from You. I now recognize that I'm a sinner and that forgiveness can only be found in You. Thank You for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I desire that You become my Lord and that I want to follow You and Savior in that You are the only one who can give eternal life. I now turn to you and ask that you come into my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you never prayed that prayer and given your life to Christ, then I want to challenge you to do that this morning. And after you pray that prayer, I want you to tell someone that that's the decision you have made. That you have decided to follow Jesus. And I hope you will make that decision because it's only in Christ that we have the promise that God is for us. That God justifies us. And that His love has been set upon us and nothing can separate us from His love. Let us pray. Father, we do thank You for these wonderful truths. Lord, so much of our lives are affected by what we believe is true. I pray for those who are in Christ, that have faith in Jesus, that are following Him, that they would allow these truths just to sink into their hearts and minds. That they would realize that You are for them. That You love them. And that never changes. And for those who don't know Christ, God, these truths can be theirs. We know that. All they need to do is give their lives to Jesus. I pray that that would happen today. Lord, thank you for these truths. Thank you for all that you do for us. And I pray that these truths would impact how we carry ourselves this week, how we live out our lives, that more and more people would be exposed to your love, your grace, and your gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.